I was not able to discuss that with mommy, but I received a letter from someone from Belgium who expressed her gratitude to towards what God is doing here in this place. And she told me the record of the Holy Ghost Convention and this marriage seminar that we have started. And I want to say to the sister that your request concerning yourself and the other sisters you mentioned are already granted. And I've said I will announce that today, but I will pray personally for you by tomorrow so that they are tuned on now. This, anytime we meet in this church, <clears throat> people are watching us all over the world. Really, I think I will read her letter to the whole church. She said in her letter, first I want to thank you for the teachings that we are receiving from this church and the Holy Ghost Convention and the marriage seminar coming. He said, recognize that it's not only your members in London who are your members. We, your members, we are all over the world. And we do not miss any meeting. And he says, and much importantly, I want to thank Mommy Reverend Omar for the Bible lecture she gives from here every Tuesday. And she said, tell her more grace to the elbow of Mommy because we all glue to the television watching you live. We participate in this. And of course, there are a few cells across the, the globe where these, you know, who connect with us in all our meetings. And so, I want to appreciate that, sister. Now, this is marriage seminar. Um, we started yesterday by taking you on the origin of marriage. Origin of marriage. Now, the lecture on the origin of marriage is necessary for anyone to know so that we can understand what is the origin of marriage. How did marriage really come about? And if I run you through within 15 minutes or 10 minutes about that lecture, the first thing we looked at is God's ultimate intention and plan for man. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Yesterday I did an, ex an expo on this, breaking it down verse by verse or line by line. God's ultimate intention was to make man. And if you look at this scripture, he used the word man, M-A-N. We soon discovered in verse 28, it says, male and female created ye, verse 27, male and female created ye them. So we resolve that the word man in verse 26 is talking about male and female. Okay, now we recognize that God created man. He intends to create man in his image and in his likeness. And he also said the function of man is to be ruler over this uh, universe. All right? God created the ecclesia and he created the earth for man to live. Those who are looking for man in other space will never find one until we rapture. The next man they will find, the doctrine of alien and the doctrine of looking for another planet where human beings live, came from Lucifer. Because the devil knows that when we rapture, it is us they will find in planets. There's a particular place that the Lord Jesus has prepared for us. We don't know where it is, but it's in the heavens. The Bible says that we will gather to meet him in the heavens. And we are going to be the aliens. 
that they will find out. Born again, spirit-filled, raptured. Hallelujah. But it will be too late for anybody who finds that out to join the team. So instead of looking for aliens, join them on earth now. We are still on earth. We have not gone to heavens yet. So whatever the case may be, we recognize that God, you know, made us rulers over this earth. Now, what has that to do with marriage? The next one says in verse 27, God's intention fulfilled. Verse 26 is God's ultimate intention and plan. Verse 26 is God's intention fulfilled. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Uh, male and female created ye them. Then we understand that verse 27 explains the plurality of the word man in verse 26, which can look singular. All right, having said that, verse 28, which is God's ultimate blessing is based on unity. It says, and God blessed them. Now understand, I'm going, to prog- I'm going to talk more about that today. God blessed them, not God bless him or God bless her. All right, so a marriage where there's disunity, it frustrates the blessings of God. So what the enemy tries most in marriage is to disunite us. And I want us to understand this, that when the enemy disunites us, it makes us feel right in whatever we're doing. Are we together now? The devil is so cunning that he does not put on a black shirt and uh, horns in the head like they show him when he goes to church or when he goes to Christians. Really, he will pretend, the Bible says, masquerade like the angel of light. So that when he walks through your thoughts, you will think that's your sincere opinion and you are right to your opinion. I would gather now. But, we soon find ourselves in position whereby we fast and pray and do everything we can, and yet blessing is not coming. Because God blesses only unity. The book of Psalms says, How good and lovely is it for burden to come together in unity. Alright? It is like the oil poured on the head of Aaron. It flows to the collar. For there the Lord commands his blessing. At the dew of Haman. So, marriage understands both those of you who are not married yet and those of you who have been married know this for sure. Your fasting, your prayer, ceaselessly, your act of godliness can easily be frustrated by disunity between husband and wife. For God will bless only unity. God bless them and said, let them be, he said, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fishes of the seas and the birds of the air and over every living thing that move along the ground. Therefore, we recognize that if there is unity between husband and wife, there is nothing that can limit them under heaven. No demon can overpower anybody. When there is disunity, you will open cracks for the enemy to strike. You can strike your family, can strike your husband, has strike the wife, strike the children, strike your property and all stuff like that. So, we must keep the unity and the bond of peace at all costs. Do we agree? Say amen. All right. Have a look at that. 
We look now further into chapter 18. Now beginning to trace the origin of marriage. It says, it's not good for man to be alone. Chapter 2, verse 18. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, I taught you extensively on that yesterday that anyone looking for a wife must know he's looking for a helper. And any woman looking for a husband must know that she's looking for someone he, she can help. The way God created woman is always wanting to help. The way God created men is always wanting to take a lead and dictate the tone of the family. So if a woman is a very exuberant woman who is a very good go-getter and she marries a man who doesn't drink, that woman will be frustrated. We have seen that again and again and again because the inbuilt of God in woman is one to help. All right. And it will soon become like as if the woman is the one on the steering wheel of the family. Whereas she's just manifesting as a human being. Are we together now? So for those of you who are not married, you are instructed to understand. Before you say you will marry a man, the man must be better qualified than you are equally qualified, but better thinker. All right? And I told you that people may have dreams. I have a dream that this is your wife. I have a dream that that's your husband. Let those who dream keep their dream and let them execute it. The one who dreamed that somebody is your husband should marry that person. Oh, yeah. Because no man has the right to dream for other people about their future partner. If you have it, you keep your mouth shut. I wasn't tell them until they have a weakness and they receive it because. If I am the one that God wants to marry this woman, why would you think God will tell you about her and God didn't tell me? Then God has not spoken at all. There are many Christians who have been shipwrecked, misled, because somebody just told them to do that and they went into it. And a good number of Christians who always say that God is telling me, some, you know, most of them could not differentiate between their thoughts and the Spirit of the Lord. And so many people have been shipwrecked. And when you get into the trouble, they'll just be telling you that well, you have to just manage it as your cross and stuff. But those of you who have not entered or carried the cross, you know this. Don't carry a cross given to you by man. It's better you hear God directly. And I told you, it's easy to hear God. He said in the book of Jeremiah 29, verse 12, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. He said, and then you come and pray to me and I will answer you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. All of you can hear God. All of you can, can see. But you have to be in the place, not by your mind. Pray. And I also warned you against this. There are some people who will begin to, to dream about somebody because in their heart they have been settling towards that person. Be very careful about this. So, but whatever the case may be, we understand that the Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. The person that you must marry must be a person who can help you. The next verse we explore is that God, within 18 and 20, God brought all the animals to Adam to name them, and Adam named everybody. And whatever name he gave them, they were. All right. So, in verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, 
he took one of the ribs of the man and closed it up, uh, closed up the place with flesh. And then he says in 22, God, then the Lord God made the woman, a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. And verse 23 says, the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Now, there are three things there. The first thing is that wife is the missionary. Verse 21. Your wife is your missing rib. If you pick a, a rib that is bigger than your ribs, you will not be able to fix it. So you will carry it all your life trying to fix it till you die. And that has to do with personalities. If you take a rib that is smaller than your rib, all right, you will try to fix it, it will not work. And that means somebody who is lesser in vision. A woman who cannot really cope with your mental and with the, your, your, your grace. So the more you are trying to work, you will discover that you have to do the work of the woman as long among, as, uh, as also with, the, uh, with your own work as a man. That's the reason why a man must make sure that the, re- the rib fits perfect. That is what Kenneth Hagin calls God's perfect will. The rib must fix perfect. The rib must fix perfect. And you woman too with the rib must make sure that you truly fit to the man. Now, the examination of this begins from courtship. Before you take decision for marriage. Because I told you, you don't marry somebody because you were told by any anointed man of God, even if fire is burning on his head, alive. That that fire is burning all of us. He has no power to tell you or right to tell you that this is your wife, unless God had told you to. Or this is your husband, unless God had told you that. So what about if somebody gives you a prophecy about the person you marry, and you have not received from God. That person has only spoken. God has not spoken. Because prophecy is supposed to tell you what is about to come, which when the time comes, you will receive that revelation, or prophecy is to, to confirm what you already received from the Lord. I say this very strongly for those of you who are yet to be married because I don't want any one of you to shipwreck. Marriage can break you or make you, it can destroy you for life and it can make you better for life. If you step into the wrong place, you, you will regret you ever existed. But then the fact is that you just have to live and die in that place. I will get it now. So therefore, if anybody meets you, you know, how, you know, you need to make sure that God is, God is the person God has chosen to, for you. Now, yesterday I spoke a lot deeply about hearing God. Because some of you have not educated your spirit person to be able to hear God distinctly. You still hear God like a thought. That is a baby stage of, a, of Christianity. You can pray yourself out of that. And it's necessary that you grow out of that. Because the older you are physically, the more demand will be upon you, both on this earth and even this spiritual realm. So you must understand this, that the way to get into deeper hearing is relationship with God. Free your mind and commit your heart to seeking God. In prayer, in certain of the word and sometimes in fasting. So that when it comes to a decision of marriage, you don't settle with, I feel strong in my spirit. Unless you have developed your spirit man to the place where it can, dis- it can discern between 
his thoughts and God speaking. So, keep that in your heart. So, why a missing rib? Chapter 2, verse 21. Verse 22. God the matchmaker. Let God choose for you. He says, God brought, God, God, the Lord God made the woman. Okay? God made the woman. And then brought the woman to the man. Don't let pastor bring you wife. Don't let friends bring you wife or elder evangelist or prophet or general overseer or bishop or archbishop or pope. Let God bring for you. Okay? So, but if God brings someone for you or to you, verse 23 applies. What God chooses is satisfactory. Verse 23. What God chooses is satisfactory. And it says then, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Understand two dimensions. Bones together, synergy. Flesh together, reasoning. Are we together now? Because bones is for structure. And flesh is for reasoning. So when you meet somebody, you feel so drawn to the person you have to still evaluate that person. Can we synergize together? You know? Do we think alike? How do you know you think alike? Yesterday I was teaching you about transparency. Because the next verse is, and the man and the woman was naked. Transparency is the first basic fundamental of proof of genuine love. Transparency. And this hasn't got to do with culture. In England, it is. In America, it is. In a jungle of Africa with complete illiterate who were never educated, it is. In the midst of the most sophisticated intellect and academics, it is. Because it is for man. Alright? I'm saying this to help those who are yet to choose, and to help those already with marriage. Okay? The basis of marriage is that you will be satisfied. The man, no, 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 no. The Lord brought the woman to the man, and the man said, this is bone of my bone, and flesh of my flesh. Alright, that is synergizing together, and reasoning together. So, when you meet the person you will marry, okay? And this is what is expected in your marriage throughout your life. You will never, he will never be able to keep anything from you about him. You will never be able to keep anything from him about you. Both your strength and your weaknesses, you see, if a man is winding up a woman to be able to know how she reasons, what she loves, and she has reservation, and you as a man, you are opening up to the person, and the person is not responding equally, point blank, there is no love there. There is infatuation. Every act surrounding it is false. I would get it now. 
And that hasn't got to do with cultural barrier. I've told you that to a village person in Africa is so. To the most intellectual in America, it is so. And I will take you through some elements that will help you understand. These are the same thing that breaks marriages. Lack of those things breaks marriages. So, if a man meets a woman, and that is the person she, she, he will marry, what does the man do? He tells him that, look, this is what I am in my family. This is my father. This is my mother. Well, I don't have a father. My dad is dead. My mother is alive. Or my mother is dead. My father is alive. Both of them are alive. You know, this is where we come from. This is the kind of family where we have X number of uh, uh, members in our family. And this is the kind of thing we have. Stuff like that. Oh, you know, this is what my academic position is. I mean, I, I went to this school and this school and this school. And this is what I have. You know, the, the man will not be able to hold from that woman everything she is, and the woman also will open up all what she is to the man. Okay? To the place of what do you do? Because, you know, when you meet someone you want to marry as a believer, the next thing is that you start praying together. How can you pray for somebody you don't know what he's doing? How can you? So, which means there is no unity. If there is no unity, it's an element of lack of love somewhere. You remember I told you a story of a woman that I was going to marry before I met mommy? And they have, you know, um, they have um, packaged us together, the parents. Yes? And I really thought I love her because I couldn't do without talking to her every day, you know. Confession. I don't know how you do me for body, you know. Hallelujah. Is it, love does not know anointing. I don't know whether you understand that. When you are anointed and you fall in love, it is even more. Because anointing will help you to truly love. So, and this woman, I thought, we love one another. But I discovered after four years of relationship that we were infatuated. Okay? The day I discovered it was the day that she said she could not dance before God. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you people dance in your church. I cannot dance. And really, I went on to say that when we are married, what, do you, what is going to happen to our children? He said, I will take them to they mention the other church. I don't, mention, I don't want to mention the name. And I said, there, finish. Four years love. I walked away from it. Someone should have thought, how will I sleep? It was a great relief. Because, look, she's alright. She was very academic. Really, she's one of the senior, maybe, directors now in Nigeria. Okay? She looks okay. She reasons okay. But we do not agree in faith. That was the end of four years' love. So I said, Apostle, you mean? Yes, I mean. I walked away because... What will it profit me if I marry an educated woman, her look is good, okay? But her God is not my God. She can't clap before God. She can't dance before God. She can't testify to what God has done. How can I cope with that? I don't want to get married. I came from a home, my father, my mother, all my life, and I say this for true, all my life with them, I've never seen them publicly argue. My mother never, this is my wife sitting down. My mother never argued with my father. But let me say this to you. If my father says something and my, my mother 
has a different opinion that she's voiced out, okay? And my father says, sorry, we are not, I'm not going to do that. Let me say this to you. Watch out in a few days' time. What my mother said is what he would do. So I called my father one day. I said that, you, you say no to mom, and all what you say is what you always do. My, my mother said to me, yes. Yes. He said, I married my own wife. And my mother doesn't speak much, you know. Not everybody is naturally like that, of course. Because that's where God created that. But, you know, when I met my wife now, I took my wife to my mother. After God had told me she's the one I will marry, I checked her out. We went through the period of... Uh, uh, know me, I know you, uh, how are you, and all stuff. <laughs> but when she came to my family, alright, I took her to my mother, and I said, Mom, this is my wife. I said, dear, if you don't become like this woman, my promise to you, will not be fulfilled. I will not marry you. Okay? That's mommy sitting there. I told her. Because my mother never gave my father a headache. And I cannot imagine a marriage that either the wife will be given the husband a headache or the man is given the wife a headache. I can't imagine such marriage. It's better both of you stay alone and just enjoy your life. First Corinthians chapter 7 applies. Than to have what is called lacuna in the midst of you. Irredeemable lacuna. Let me say something to you. So my wife said, Yes, darling. And she loved my mother so much, which means she truly loves me. That's the evidence that she loves me. She will wear my mother's clothes. She will sleep on the same bed with my mother. And I cannot have, I can't sleep with my mother on the same bed. But she will. You know, she will come to her home in the morning, early in the morning, follow my mother to church. She won't leave the church until we close. To the extent that one of the members of the church, after observing my wife for about six months, went to my mother and said, Mama, please, I want to beg you for a favor. My mother said, what favor? He said, please, just agree you will give me. My mother said, any favor you want, I will give you. He now said, that's your daughter. We haven't seen her in this church like all of children are growing. Suddenly she came up when she showed up, when she's now uh, a woman. She said, I've been watching her for six months. Please, can you let her marry my son? So it means that she's becoming like my mother. That is my strength today. So my mother said... <laughs> If you let Shegun catch you. He <laughs> said, you know he's a boxer. I will not be part of it too. The man said, you mean it's your son's wife? He said, that is my son's wife to be. My son gave a testimony in the church about my wife to be when she had plane crash. He said, all of you are saying, Yahweh personal, Yahweh personal. This is the wife to be. The man said, but she looks like your daughter. 
She behaves. She's closer to you than your first daughter. My wife, my mother says, she's my daughter. What do you call her? Daughter-in-law. Remove that in-law and leave the daughter alone. She's my daughter. Many people thought she was my mother's daughter that they haven't seen for many years. The same thing, when I was told about, when my wife now took me to their father's house, I became the choices of my father-in-law. That is what is called love. You can't love a woman and hate the parents. Neither can you love a man and hate the parents. That is infatuation. You cannot meet a woman and, do not, and keep secret of your life. What you do, how you wake, detail of what you do, even what you have in bank to every penny, you will tell one another. If you don't do that in courtship, it's impossible in marriage. You've got into wrong shoes. I would together now. So we are treating two verses together right now. And it's necessary for us to do that because it reminds the married of the, of the fund, 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 foundation. It says what God chooses is satisfactory. All right. Verse 24. For this reason the man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And that is what God chooses no, what God chooses is satisfactory. That is verse 23, verse 24. Marriage is pleasurable. Marriage is pleasurable. It's so pleasurable that you leave your house forever. You never come back. When a woman leaves a home to say, I'm joining to a man, understand that your load must not come back to that door. Once they give your hand away, forever. Whatever you meet there, you die there. Is that not serious? Listen to me. That's why a young woman cannot play with her life. I told you the other time. You know, you who are very, you are young. When I'm not very young, but you are young. Or singles, let me say not young. Those of you who are singles, don't rush into marriage because this marriage, that marriage, that marriage. You better keep your calm. I always say to them in my church, if anybody comes to you and says that, ah, I've been praying for you. Well, God will bring your husband. Tell him that where you find him, bring him. That is a stupid prayer. If you think that God should bring somebody's husband, you don't need to open your mouth and say it. That is hypocrisy. And every one of you should discern hypocrites. People who want to be gossips. Let me say this to you. Let me read this to you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now for the matters which I wrote to you, it is good for man not to marry. That's the beginning of Paul. Scripture. It is good for man not to marry. Whenever I read that part, I say, that is for Paul, not for me. Is it but since there is so much immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. All right. If you read that scripture further, it's very, very funny. Paul continue 
to talk about this marriage. It says in verse 27, Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. <laughs> Why would Paul be telling a young man, the guy has been laboring on his life because he is having a dream of bringing a woman to come and enjoy his wealth and have children. And here come Apostle Paul and says that, you know what? Don't marry. Will you accept that? I did not. I disobeyed Paul in this. But why is Paul saying it? Look at what he said. But if you do marry, like me, and some of you, you have not sinned. So it means it's a righteous thing to marry. Isn't it? But look at what Paul says. Uh And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry with what? Are we living together? Read it loud. Say it again. Say those who marry. We do what? You still want to marry? And you want to marry? You are married already. You are facing the trouble. And you still want to marry? Pastor! Pastor! Oye! You still want to marry? Because he already given us cards. And there is no going back. He has read the point of no return. Listen to me. So therefore... Those of you who have been married, did you, are you not the one who applied for the trouble? Were you not one that doesn't matter we have any trouble? So why are you worried when you have trouble? Enjoy it! When I read that scripture, I said to myself, I said, Paul, when we reach heaven, you and I will talk. That trouble of marriage, I want it. I apply for it. I advocated for it. I love it. I enjoy it. I am in it. I will yes, I'm bad. I am in it. I don't want to marry an Emily. And I say, stand up. She will stand up. What are you doing? I am standing up. Say, sit down. She sits down. What are you doing? I am sitting down. Start moving. She starts moving. It's a part of the kitchen. Where are you going? I am moving. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I want a, I want to marry a woman. And I want the trouble that will come thereafter. The trouble of sometimes when I think to the right, she's thinking to the left, and we both have to pull ourselves and eventually come to the middle. Or sometimes I have to follow her to the left, and sometimes she has to follow me to the right. Hello? And sometimes we don't resolve it. We leave God to sort it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Sometimes we sleep over it, and dreams will bring revelation. Hallelujah, somebody. You know, it's not good for someone to be happy 24-7 for the whole year. It's not a good thing. <laughs> it's not a good thing. Do you know something? When you have trouble, what, what happens to your brain cell? It makes you think. If everything is just sweet, 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 your brain cell remains just enjoying. There is nothing to innovate. There is nothing to think about. Because you don't think about joy. I mean, you are just happy. You know, everything is doing fine. Someone else is doing the thinking. And then, when you hit the brick wall, what happens? You begin to think. This is a brick wall. 
What's going on here? Do we need to reverse? Or do we need to, to bypass or jump over? There was one brother who is, um, you know, a brother in need. And he was preaching here. He said, many Christians, when they reach the mountain, they pretend the mountain, I command you to be removed. First day, second day, third day, the mountain did not remove. He said, start climbing it. <laughs> start climbing it. As you are climbing, you are telling it to be removed. As you are climbing, you are telling it to be removed. When you climb to the top, by the time you come down, it's already been removed. Either by your prayer or by your action, man said, that's to be removed. <laughs> ah. So when you want to marry, guys, know that there is trouble. That's the reason why, when you know that there will be trouble in marriage, that's the reason why you must make sure you open your eyes well, that the person you are marrying, one, is compatible, you can synergize, alright? You reason alike, and you are transparent. Transparent. Quick to apologize when it does nothing wrong. And quick to accept his fault or her fault. That, oh, I made a mistake here. Yeah, I'm sorry. If he didn't do that in, in courtship, he won't do that when he's married. He will become Mr. Right. Mr. All Right. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. And you know something? Therefore, those of us who have been married should recognize this will cause me to read to you <clears throat> five things. <clears throat> five things I can classify this aspect of the lecture. One, marriage is God's own idea. Number two, wife is a suitable helper. Number three, marriage is responsibility. It makes you more responsible. Number four, God gave you this responsibility. Because it's God who said it's not good for man to be alone and make him a helper. Correct? And number five, man can only succeed in marriage with God's help. That's the five Areas I can summarize this part of the lecture. So, let God choose for you. Number five, man can only succeed in marriage with God's help. The rest of my time, I will talk about unity in marriage. And I'll do that very quickly and we'll continue tomorrow. What God has joined together, let no one put us on that. Matthew chapter, where it begins from that um, um, Genesis 2. Let's look at verse 25. And what does it say? The man and his wife shall leave his uh, the man and his wife were naked. Let's look at from verse 24, really. For this reason, a man will leave his family, his father and mother, and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. You know, I told you yesterday that when you have one flesh, it means that you only one exists. As I am, so I am one flesh. You cut me into two. What happens to the half? It dies. You slice me into two. 
or slice me into twice, you want me to say? If you slice me into two, my half can never exist. Alright? So, if my, a part of my half is sick, alright, it's better for it to still be part of the body because it will still be alive. The moment you slide into two, because of that part that is not good, then both of us stop living. Did you get it now? That's the reason why it says, what God has joined together, let no man put us under. And this is the reason why those of you who have not married must take 200%, 500% extra care. Remember I told you something yesterday. I said men are liars and women are deceivers. Not all, but I'm talking about a natural man. Alright, a natural woman. A natural man will go to a, 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 a lady and he will tell you how he preferred to, to, to love you than to even go to heaven. Yes. That it is my love for you priority before my salvation. Some men do that. They will read all the books of Solomon telling you how your eyes look like a dove and your ears are so garnished, your teeth look like um, the, 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 you know, polished, whatever, your nose and how beautiful you are, how good, how great and stuff like that. But they are lying. They only want to sleep with you, that's all. That's all. That's all. If you fall a victim to any word of a man, you deliberately slay yourself. Let me tell you, woman, how do you know a man who loves? It's not by his words. It's by his action. Because love to a man is action. Okay? Then that action must be followed by words, by love, words. Okay? But the action is first. Somebody wants to marry you, he sends a, a flower to you. Alright? And what happens to the woman? Why are you sending me flower? Isn't it? And you meet him next, he says, you are the one I'm looking for. Alright? He doesn't stop at the flower. See, the practical gesture of a man is what shows that he really loves. Not all those words of elegance and eloquence. Now, listen to me. A woman also can tell you how several times she has dreamt about you. Alright? And let you know that after God, you are the next. If didn't, she didn't exalt you beyond God. Alright? But what she's looking for? Your pocket. He will soon follow up with a bill. He will soon take you to the best restaurant to run down your accounts. It will soon take you for a shopping and begin to, you know, put his finger on all the things that you can't afford and before you know it. And because her mouth is so sweet, you're just going on with that. Come on now, open the veil and look behind it. You'll see a dark devil there. So what is love to a woman is care and affection. So, how do you know a woman who will be your wife? How much she cares. 
Of course, if a man loves, his action will show care. A man who truly loves you will not want to hurt you. And he will, quick, he will be quick to say, I'm sorry, when he feels you are hurt. Same thing with a woman. I will get it now. You must conquer, you women must conquer the lies and the, uh, of, of men and you men must conquer the deception of women. The fact, bottom line is just that when you are talking about relationship, be sincere to yourself, period. Am I communicating? Mm-hmm. Because you always have a check somewhere. Once you have a check somewhere in your relationship, just survive. Straight away, cut it off. Don't pray about it. Because if you start praying about it, you can start having dreams. And they are not from God. Alright. God hates the boss. So, unity. What God has joined together, let the man put the son. And that is what led to God hate the boss. In the book of Malachi chapter 2, Okay, I think before we go into God hate divorce, because unity is the, is the basis why God said he wasn't divorced. Look at on, under unity, Matthew 19, verse 6. It says, so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. This is Jesus Christ speaking about husband and wife bonding. Then go to God hate divorce. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. You ask I think that one, let me read it from verse 13. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and will because he no longer pays attention to your offerings and accept them with pleasure from your hands. Now, do you understand what that is saying? That what I said initially, when there is no sincerity in the marriage, all right, and there is no, you know, unity in the marriage, if there is no sincerity, there will be no transparency, there will be no unity. You frustrate the blessing. God can't bless. If you have a blessing, it's the general blessing you have. Keep that water until I ask for it. There's no way to put it. So, it is the general blessing that you are asking for, that you get but real breakthrough, <laughs> you will struggle. And that's what God is saying here, that somebody decides to divorce. And God said, if you, that's what you decide, and you are going to leave your marriage, I hate, a, I hate divorce, says the Lord. And he said, you cannot go ahead with that and expect me to hear your offering. All right? Or to take, to receive your offering from you. Okay? And God says, I hate divorce and I hate a man that is that that covers himself with violence. Now, if if you go to verse fourteen, it says, "You ask why do I take your why, why? It is because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth. God is the witness between a man and a woman, because you have broken faith with her. She is your partner, the wife of your marriage." covenant. Understand this. 
If a man is violent against his wife, or a man divorces his wife, God hates it. Now let me ask you a question. What about if the man deceived the woman into the marriage? Let me give you the worst scenario. A Christian girl met a Christian man in court. Christian man full of all vibrance and speech talk. You know in marriage you need to talk to one another before you marry and let let one another know who you truly are, what you are. So, but the man is impotent. Alright? And he never said it. And as Christians, you are not supposed to have sexual intercourse before marriage. Pentecostal church, if they recognize, if they put a marriage up and they recognize that the woman is pregnant, the Pentecostal ethics is that the, the minister must not continue with the marriage. And all of you who are here to marry must know that too. If they bring someone who we have arranged to marry, really I'm going to make sure that you sign an undertaking from now towards that so that we can be covered legally. But it, should that happen now, I will just get up and walk through the back and I will allow other, other pastors to, to handle that marriage because I am the Lord, the spiritual. Yes, that is what you call bishops. So understand that. But as a Christian, there's no intercourse. And then she got married. First day, the man never touched the woman. Second day, and the woman is asking to know her husband. And then after a few days, the man had to come up that, look, I'm impotent. Should that marriage remain? Now, you guys are talking now. Uh, if you want to know about it, don't miss tomorrow. <laughs> and for those of you who are pastors and you have church meetings tomorrow, you will go to your church meetings where you get the tape. Because I, when I teach about divorce, I must let you understand. The Bible says, I hate divorce, says the Lord, and I hate a man who covers himself with violence. As much as God hates divorce, does that mean that divorce don't happen in church? It does. It does happen in church. I will together. And tomorrow, I will help you understand on what grounds can divorce take place according to the scriptures. One of it is violence. Tomorrow I will talk about the rest. God hates divorce, but divorce does take place in the church. Can I also help you understand? The act of marriage or divorce has nothing to do with calling. Okay? You can see somebody or hear about somebody who is called mildly anointed. <clears throat> and by virtue of contravention of these rules, they ended up divorced. God will still use him or use her. Okay? But you remember, he said, I stand as a weakness between both of you. You know, two people may have marriage issue, and when they speak, all of us here, we say that the woman is the one that is right. Because she's a good speech controller. And the man is not able. Or the man is a good speech controller and the woman is not able. We men judge as we hear. 
but the Almighty judge as he sees the heart of man. So, in the situation of people who decide to marry, to divorce, and, you know, people have said to you that, go ahead, because the other person has been painted strange. If you divorce, you will stand before the one who judges the living. And the, he says, I stand as a weakness. That's why I, I fear to mistreat my wife. I fear, <laughs> because my weakness of the marriage is there. You know, when I pray for you in marriage, um, when I conduct marriage, look, let me read to you what I pray. It says, Lord, Lord our God, you have bound yourself to your people by a covenant and by many gracious promises and have given yourself to us in the person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We praise you that your covenant will never be broken and your promises will never fail. Now listen. And that nothing can separate us from your love that is in Christ Jesus. Now, this is your own side now. We also make our vows and promises. But Apart from you, O Lord, we lack the strength to keep them as we should. Now we listen to our friends now as they make these serious vows. We listen as weaknesses and as those who wish them well. As you hear them, O Lord, be more than a weakness and a well-wisher to them. Do for them what we cannot. Give them strength from heaven, not only to make their vows in sincerity, but to keep them for as long as they both shall live. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you say, Amen. That's what we pray for you before you make vows. Because we are physical weakness. We don't know your heart. Alright? But God is a spiritual weakness. He follows you everywhere you go. So, when husband and wife have disagreement, don't try to prove yourself right. Look for where you have gone wrong. That is how to make marriage work. Casting blame on one another, we will both go to agree without resolve. Let me now say something to you. If you and I agree to just obey the scripture for our marriage, we will enjoy it till we die. If both of us decide to go our own ways, you will suffer till you die. Choose one. Yes, I'm telling you the truth. Choose one. Tomorrow I'm going to cover the area of Christians who marry to non-Christians when I do the divorce. When I met my wife, when we married, not when we married, when we married, my wife and I, the first time in my life, after some time, a few years, we don't have any issue, you know. But she's not Emily and I'm not Emila. But <laughs> one day, we disagreed over an issue. I can't remember. She can't remember too. And 
we left in the morning. You know, she goes, went to her work, I went to my work. And amazingly, we came back in the evening. She did the food that we eat. But you know that kind of, that's your food, eat it. <laughs> I ate it, okay? But my father had told me that you and your wife must eat from the same plate throughout your life. Because in Africa, you put your food in the same plate you ate. And my wife, whenever she serves me, ever, she must eat out of my plate. Okay? She will pick something to eat out of my plate. Not for security, but for long. Yeah, but for long. I don't demand that, but she can. And when I'm eating something till today, if, you, if she gives me food, I can't finish it. I have to leave for her to eat as a culture. So even when I'm not full up, I will stop. And I will say that's for you. So because she knows that I will never finish my food, she will not do her own food. And she will wait for me to finish eating. And she stand with me there, pick out of my food. And then she knows that I will say, I can't eat anymore. She will now take it and go and eat and put whatever she wants to eat. Unless if she's very hungry. Okay. But this day, I wouldn't eat my food. I went to bed. My wife came to bed. And she slept and she faced the wall. Yes? So what does she expect me to do? Sleep also and face the east. So the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. You know what I did? Hello, baby. My father never sleep. <laughs> I faced the east when my mother faced the west. The Bible says be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down over your anger. If the husband sleep and face the wall, and the wife face the door, somebody will sleep in the midst of them before morning. You will never be able to remove him for one year. If you fast three, six, five days, the guy has ground. Between that night that you are sleeping, he will have gained ground, percolated your spirit and your membrane. When you wake up in the morning, you have become his robot. He will be manipulating your mind. That's when, that's when good morning will become you are foolish. I just said good morning. He said, but why did you say call me foolish? But it's good morning, I said. But she had foolish. Don't be silly, we become an insult. Okay? Because why? You allow the devil. The marriage bed must not be deep fire. Not only sex. Anger. No, no, no. You, you, I told my wife, you, you, you answer me. You slept, face one side. I paid the other side. And both of us are sleeping in the same bed. Who is deceiving who? We are under the same roof. In the same, even if you leave the bedroom and you went downstairs, you are still in the same house. Who is, I mean, you are reason about it. God gave us our bed. He said, when two shall sleep together, they shall warm up one another. You think he's talking about the, the infrared heat that you get from your heater? He's not talking about that. He's talking about bonding. I said, so if we disagree in this house, you must never, I must never hear it, that you face the wall. You will face me by force. <laughs> so, I said, okay. And I recognize that I should have better grace. I, I'm the one who applied to marry her. She didn't send me application. 
So I said, darling, I'm so sorry for what I did to you. Please forgive me now. Will you forgive me? Come on, dear. Look at my eyes and tell me you will forgive me now. <laughs> and when eyeball for eyeball, you are talking. Like evil man say, we talk eyeball for eyeball. If you are talking eyeball for eyeball, and I'm saying I'm sorry, I'm not saying I'm sorry anyway. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you know, that story must be followed by the old words. Beyond you are the apple of my eye. No. <laughs> you are the pepper soup in my grand rice. I know something like that. <laughs> and so I had to be talking to my wife that day. We disagree doesn't mean we, we are not husband and wife. You see, you have certificate. You haven't torn it. I see your husband. You see, behind Mrs. Williams. So what are you turning away from me? The two shall become one. So I pacified her and she calmed down. She learned from that day <laughs> that if I disagree with my husband, I must not. And she speaks about it sometimes when she teaches. <laughs> Another thing that can settle quarrel is communion. If I have quarrel, if my wife disagrees with me and she's, she, she felt very hard, I will take the bread and the wine. Once I come, <laughs> I come with the bread and the wine now. Before the Lord, you have to forgive. And before the Lord, you have to calm down. Eh? This is my body that is broken for you. You must take it too. And you must not leave the table of the Lord because the Bible says you should wait for one another. If, if your anger will take you three days, all of us will wait here until you eat. Treat your wife like your mother and you have peace. Now, let me finish with you here now. <laughs> you see, women are the ones clapping and little men. I'm going to pass offering back around the women. You pay for that, that, that advice. Now, let's quickly go. Let's quickly go, go to this one. Tonight, I, tell, I said this to you and I'll cover this just briefly. And lay the table for it. Under God blesses unity. Unity in marriage. God blesses unity. Psalm 133 verse 1 to 3. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head. Running down the beards. Running down the, the Aaron's beards down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hammon were falling on the Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. Understand two things. When there is unity, blessing, and life. Really, <laughs> let me tell you this joke. Okay. Let me read further. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9 to 12. Two are better than one because they, they have good returns to their work. You see that now? It's very interesting that he's talking about marriage and the first thing he talks about work. Is that not in line with um, uh, Genesis chapter, chapter 118? I'm making me helper suitable. So your finances must be transparent. I would together. Remember I told you yesterday, if somebody piles up money and is married, and then he dies or she dies, 
Who owns the money? Prima facie. The wife or husband is the first beneficiary. Especially if there is no will, if he died interstate. Your family home, you didn't put the name of your husband or your wife there, and you die. Prima facie, she is. Constructive trust kicks in. That's what they say in law, which means that she has half until proved not so. And the person who is in the grave, how can they prove? Yeah, yeah, because he just died. Even if he wills all the house to anybody, she has the right in law to contest it. Those people who she willed it to, that will does not work. Because it's a family home. <coughs> because we cannot make law against the law. Are we together now? Tomorrow we'll talk a question and we'll look at that. So, good returns means to their work. Means both of you will work hard and you'll be very transparent. You plan finances together. And, you know, let me say something to you. In the area of finances, just this uh, nugget. The man is the person, principal person, who is supposed to carry the brunch of home finance. But in those days, men are the workmen. Women are just taking care of kids. But in these days, some women may earn more than their husband. A long line. Because you are both qualified, you know, like let me give you an example. Margaret Thatcher and Mr. Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher became the prime minister of the, of the country. All right? So as a prime minister, she had many benefits. But who enjoyed those benefits? Mr. Thatcher. Yes. Really, Mr. Thatcher can get many contracts because of Margaret Thatcher. All right? But the law does not allow Margaret Thatcher to get such contract because of judiciary law. She's still in service. But the law does not preclude the husband from benefiting as long as it is not a direct benefit. But of course, her name is an indirect door opener. And so if the man talks to the President of America, the President of America will, will listen to, to him. If he has a business, and they will tell him that go and tend that like other people. Decision of who wins is not subject to any law. It is subject to the decision, the best judgment of the panel. Okay? So, somebody is getting rich by somebody. I would get that now. Therefore, you will find a situation that is the other side. All right? That the man is the president, John Major. And the wife is, you know, a business guru. And she makes the money. So who takes the brunch? The one who makes the money. It doesn't matter whether it's the male or the female. Because that scripture tells you, you bring good return to your work. That's how we run the finance at home. We'll talk much about that later. If one falls, his friend can help him. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help. That talk about support and help. Bone 
and flesh. Remember? Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Comfort, romance, and affection. That's what is in the scripture. Look, you sleep together with your wife. There is a warmth that penetrates your bodies. It's like conduction. It goes to a weight. When you see a woman that is not, you know, does not enjoy such, or a man who sleeps separate and the husband sleeps separate, what will happen to them is that their mindset will be divergent. That's what we will find. When you ask the husband something about a problem and the husband tells you, go and ask the woman, she says something else. Because in sleeping together, exchanging such warmth is spiritual bonding, which brings soul, soul bonding as well. Sexual intercourse brings soul tie. Okay? If in a family, a, a man is sexually starved, he will, he will begin to have responsive behavior. You see a man who becomes moody for no reason. Not by his own will, but, but for the fact that he had, he had broken the rule, the spiritual rule of God, of what sexual intercourse stands for. And if a man is the one who starves the wife, you will see that wife become like a talkative or sometimes get depressed and stuff like that. What you make of your husband will become your liability in the future. And what you make of your wife will become your real problem in the future because you cannot run away from your own body. So when God says, both of them will, 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 will sleep together and warm their body. You cannot have father's home. And, and I've met some ministers who told me that, oh, you know, I don't want my wife to affect my anointing. They are liars who say that. They have no anointing at all. They are the manipulators of people in the public. People will say to you, anointing, 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 nothing happens. Alright? Because the Bible can never contradict itself, it says the husband and wife will sleep together. He knows that he anointed them, but he demands them to sleep together. They don't have one room for mommy, one room for daddy, because the Bible says what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let me say this to you. Listen very, very well. There are many things we cause ourselves due ignorance. You know? And this is the reason why God wrote the scriptures. So that we can be corrected. Are we together? That warmth that comes out of husband and wife, you can never get it by anointing. You can never get it anywhere. Really, it strengthens anointing and it makes anointing well, good, work, work perfect. Are we together now? Is somebody hearing me? I'm... You are giving me cold shoulders now. Come on now. I'm talking about lying together and keeping warm. I will talk more. If you have father's room, leave it for God the Father. <laughs> Only him must go there. In another words, you can turn it into prayer room for both of you. A woman cannot wake up in the morning and tell the husband, the Lord told me overnight to fast. If you did that the first time, be careful not to hear God for such second time because it's no more God but you. Because God will never tell you to do something that will contravene the word. 
First Corinthians 7. Paul says, in, let me read it quick. Chapter, chapter 7, 1 Corinthians. I'm not talking about that today, but let me just say. The next verse. But since there is so much immorality, sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman her own husband. Then the next one, very quickly, the husband should fulfill his marital duty. The, the King James called it conjugate right to his wife, excuse me, and likewise the wife to her husband. Why did he talk? He's talking about sexual intercourse here. Marital duty or conjugate right is talking about sexual intercourse and it begins from the man. It didn't begin from the woman. We'll talk about that some other time. Maybe tomorrow I get there. But listen to me, therefore, you cannot marry and you, you sleep alone or sleep away from your husband or your wife. If you want anointing, you want to go to mountain, you must go together. You want to go to valley, go together. If you like, go to the river, go together. Do you understand? Because this is the scripture. This is scripture. This is my wife. She has become my American express card. You can't find me anywhere. If you invite me to a church and you don't invite my wife, that church is not the church I will be in forever. Are we together now? You can't invite me to a meeting and my wife is not there, I'm not going to come. And neither can anybody invite her, excluding me. If it's a woman meeting, I must be the chairman of that woman meeting. Are you with me now? It's a custom. If we have to travel, it's once a while, maybe she may have to go because I have another assignment here. Ah, I mean, do you not know that? Hey, all those of you who have been following me, you know that. Where you find apostle, you find mommy Uma. Why? She's my defense from stray women. My bulletproof. <laughs> from machine guns. When you see some girls... And some women in church. And the moment after you have ministered, anointing is heavy. Someone came before me, before and said to me in my house, ah, I love the anointing. I just want to rub anointing from you. I want to rub anointing. I said, Mommy. <laughs> so when she saw the anointing coming, she backed off. Hello? You know, they said in my language, when you are crying, you open your eyes. <laughs> are you with me now? If I'm ministering to people and I see a strange figure that is trying to become something else, really my wife picked them. Look, she is a sniffer dog. She picks everything. One day we went to, we went to, um, we went to, we went to, she says, enough. we went to, um, McDonald to buy uh, uh, no Kentucky Fried Chicken no McDonald McDonald and we drove into McDonald and I was talking to the girl who was selling you know asking what do you want I don't know the name of what McDonald bread is and stuff but she knows it so I asked her what is the name of the bread I said I said okay, this is what we want and then the lady began to speak again and she was you know her eye she was making eyes somehow but I thought she had problem with the eyes you know <laughs> eh. And quickly my wife just penetrated and started to 
talk to her and stuff like that. So, and when she's talking, I back up because two people can't be saying the same thing. Eh? So she kept on talking, and then when we were leaving, she said to me that, did you not see the, the way that girl is doing her eyes? I said, which girl? She said, the girl that we are selling to you now. I said, I saw that her eyes was behaving somehow. I thought she was sick. <laughs> I would have even asked her, can I pray for you? <laughs> and the Lord will heal you right now. <laughs> she said, the way you teach my husband, if they will sell you, you will know. <laughs> Same thing, we went to Ghana at the airport, at the counter, you know. I was there before her, she was coming behind me, and I've carried all this stuff, and I was asking the, the, the ladies about uh, checking in, but, and the other one came, and they said, talking, and we were talking, you know, blah, 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 all about the whole place, looking like that, so, so. But to me, those things are, I mean, I'm checking in, check me. Of course, they were delaying the checking in, I don't know why. I thought maybe they had some problem with their computer. Quickly, my wife just stepped, and I said, oh, well, that's my husband. And this, the talk changed. Can you imagine if I did not take her along? They would have divided me over their bread. <laughs> and do you know something? According to the book of Proverbs chapter 6 and chapter 7, it said, knowing little, knowing it, little knowing it, an arrow pierces his liver. I will together. Your wife is your what? Defense. Somebody say amen. She is your bulletproof. From stray women. Women who have hidden agenda. If I'm doing counseling and I look at your eyes, your eyes look womerous, I will tell you as a woman, you will wait. I will call my wife to sit down for the counseling. And the one counseling, she's the one observing. Hallelujah. Someone says to me that, you know, discernment. No, no, no. There's a place discernment don't work. Common sense work there. And the kind of common sense God gives to a man is different from the common sense he gives to a woman. And a man cannot duplicate the woman's common sense and the woman cannot duplicate the man's common sense. So when you see me standing, there are many things that make it to two shall sleep together and warm up themselves. Write these five things down on the benefits of marriage, which is the last thing I've touched on, the unity of marriage. If you look at the benefits of marriage, number one, better financial capacity. Number two, support and help. Benefits of marriage. Number three, comfort Romance and affection. Number four, cooperation, unity, strength, and defense. Let me go again. One, better financial capacity. Two are better than one, they bring better returns. Number two, support and help. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Or, and number three, comfort, romance, affection. This is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And two shall sleep together, they will warm themselves. They will keep themselves warm. Number four, cooperation, unity, 
strength and defense. Though one can be overpowered, two can defend themselves. That's verse 12. A cord of three strands can never be broken. And number five is communication. All right, you've written that. I have just about five more minutes. Colossians 4 6, write it down to back up those truths. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Be careful. First Timothy 6, 3-4 If anyone teaches false doctrine and does not agree with sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and do unto to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy interest in controversies and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malicious talk, <clears throat> Evil suspicions. Do you know something? Let me end up by, I will read something to you, but let me end up by telling you that tomorrow we are going to be reading the, we are going to look at um, Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 on verse 22. If I read that very quickly to you. We'll look at that tomorrow. Alright, because what I, what I read to you here ends up with suspicions. It's out of uh, uh, sound doctrine. You know, what, what can cause suspicion between husband and wife? Talk to me. Lack of trust, yes? Not being transparent. That is not being truthful. You know, I will stop trusting you when you are not transparent anymore. Okay? Now let me help you know this. What will lack of trust give back to? Suspicion. Believe you me. What is the root of suspicion? Genesis chapter 11 Verse 1 to verse 5. Let me read that quickly. What leads to suspicion in marriage is what leads to suspicion generally. It says, Now the whole world had one language and common speech. Okay, the next verse. As men moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinai and settled there. They said to each other, Look at this. Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stones and tar for mother. So they invented, because there is unity. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, which with, its, with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that 
we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole world. Fine. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. What does this tell you? Whenever people agree, language and speech, God always visits. Whether they are born again or not, it doesn't matter. God is attracted by unity. You can find ungodly people having fantastic marriage. Not born again, but they are married better than the most anointed minister. Unity. God comes. But how, what's the principle to, to disorganize unity? What's the principle? We will read that now. The next verse says, Then the Lord said, If as one people speak in the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be. So if you look at that in line of what I'm saying, if as one people, husband and wife, becoming one, in their speech and in their language, then, and they begin, speech, language, action, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible. So therefore, what do you think the devil is looking for between you and your wife? To disconnect your language from your speech. That's all. If you can do that, that's it. You will never resolve anything. What is language? Language comes from the heart of man. Speech comes from the mind of man. So, a child can learn five languages, but it's in his heart. So, but when he wants to speak his speech, he will process it in his thoughts to know whether it is French they are speaking to me, so I answer in French, or is it German they are speaking as answer in German. So, language comes from the heart. Speech comes from your thinking. So now, where you don't trust me, alright, anything I say sincerely from my heart to you, my speech will communicate wrongly. Are we, are we here? I did a big expo on heart and mind. I call it the power of the mind. You know, it's one of the areas I taught. God gave me profound insight and the books are, you know, just hovering by the place. One day, I hope by my birthday, these are one of the books that come out. Power of the mind, power of decision, make up your mind. Those are three major lectures I've taught. You know something? We can do anything as Christians. We can achieve anything as Christians. Satan only confuses our language. Because that's what God did to them. Now, if your language is in your heart, in the heart of a husband to a wife, I love you. Correct. But my heart does not control my actions. No, it's my mind. My thought is what controls what I do. Not my heart. Okay? The reason why you can have a deception from a woman to a man is because the action is fake. In the heart, she's looking for something, but the action is like he, she loves me. You get it? And the man so for the trap. And when the woman licked him, finished, she goes. Same thing with a man who is toasting a woman. You know, 
All what she sent to you, he, he sent to the woman, how good you are, how fantastic you are, how this and no stop, he had this and that and that and that. It's just, you know, in his heart, he wants to sleep with the woman, that's all. And he will not demand for that, so that you will believe that he's the most righteous man, he's the man of God, he's a Christian, he's in charge, he may be the one whose tongue is loudest. Until he will just, uh, well, let's just come over, you know, so just for, you know, a cup of tea. And a cup of tea will become a rape. And the woman is ashamed to say it public. And there are many women who have been raped. The greatest problem of women who are raped is condemnation. And you need to know this. Don't be condemned. Because if you are raped, speak it out. Don't be afraid. Say it out. You're not going to be, you, no one is going to pounce on you and say that you walk there, you walk there. Yeah, if you walk there, it's not right. But someone deceived you into it. Say it out. So that the beast can be, can be arrested and be tamed. Are you with me now? The church of God needs to need that. The same thing happened between husband and wife. If there is no more trust, your good morning will be received by the other side as you are very stupid. Okay? That is what he's hearing in his mind because in his heart he loves you. You love him in your heart. But your mind, anything that he said because you don't trust anymore, anything said out of a pure and sincere heart, you receive it negatively. And you receive from your husband negative. You say, this is his intention. Whereas that's not his intention. Alright, because he did it last year, he did it the same thing before. Now, this is what you are coming about again, but no. Same thing, he will look at you and say that, this is what she said to me and this is what she thought. Look, let me ask this of my wife. I want you to say this publicly now. Madam, you must not feel this test. I want to say a language I always say to you, when you say to me that, this is what this person is thinking, what do I always say? I tell you that are you God? Yes. I said to her, if she says to me, you know, if somebody did something wrong, okay, and it's wrong, my wife's spirit is that she can program why she did that. That's her own type of creation. And she's sometimes very right that this is what I think this person is. About, but it's right. But you know what I said to her? Even if she's right, I said to her, Are you God? Educate your mind not to, not to interpret what people did. For me, if you do anything, that's what you do. Finish. Why you did it is not my business to know because there is a God in heaven who sees your heart. Okay? What about if I say that this is what I think by that omen? I may be correct. But I may be wrong as well. And the Bible says we should not interpret omens. Are we together now? What has caused major problems between unity and friendship is the dichotomy or division of language and the speech. And to me, you may do something terrible to me now, very, very terrible, okay? And they call you to order and everybody will abuse, you know, they'll lambast you and stop. If you say I'm sorry, for me, you have said I'm sorry. That's it. But, you know, my wife may say sometimes that that sorry is not from your heart. Okay, that is our nature. 
Alright, God gave me that to curb me and balance me sometimes. But you see, what I'm saying is that while such sometimes may be correct, for someone like Alfred, it's all the time wrong. What is in your mind? I can't see. Don't you have discernment? Yeah, it's to discern the devil, not to discern the heart of man. That's the reason why with my wife, no problem. If my wife makes mistake, I told my wife, I didn't marry angel. And if I did, well, thank God, this is the angel that makes mistake. Oh. <laughs> Abby? Because I myself make mistakes. I want you to accommodate me when I make mistakes. So I accommodate you when you make mistakes. So what about my wife made mistake? I address it right there. Okay? If I address it right there, I say, okay, darling, I'm sorry. Then she has said, I'm sorry. Why do I emphasize on this again? What emphasis have you got over I'm sorry? After I'm sorry, what do you want to hear? That's why you hear quarrel. Huh? Didn't you hear it? How about I said, I'm sorry? It has gone to something else. So if my wife said, I'm sorry, I don't want her to repeat it. Billy, I don't even want her to say, I'm sorry. I only want her to recognize that it's not right. Are you with me now? Some people will say that you have not said to me sorry. Whoa! The sorry they gave you yesterday. Show me your body. What has that sorry done to you that you are demanding it? Are you don't understand what I'm saying? Does it mean that people shouldn't say I'm sorry? No. People should say I'm sorry. But what about if they didn't say it? Why should you cause yourself lack of peace too much of your life? For days and weeks, because you are looking for sorry that will not do any good thing for you. You want sorry or you won't change your heart. If the person has already got remorse and he has changed, what are you looking for sorry for? Would you like to sorry and then he continues to do that thing? Choose one. How many times have you told Jesus you are sorry after all? And when you come to church and they are singing praise, you'll be crying. And Jesus will be looking at you. <laughs> Can you imagine the Jesus who said that? He didn't say, I'm sorry. Look at the catalog of what he did wrong. He never said, I'm sorry to one. And now he's worshipping me in the church. Let me expose him. Have you had that kind of Jesus before? Even his spirit will still rest on you. And you begin to operate in his power. Do you have not satisfied him? Are we together? What I'm teaching you here is not only applicable to husband and wife, but friends in the church. How can you keep record of one another? Wrongs. Look, let me say this to you. I don't know how to talk. I, I, I speak well. Okay. I look quite speak I am. Even if you don't say amen, I am. But listen. <laughs> but if my wife and I have to talk about something happened, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. If it's never happened before in my life. But I don't know what to say. Why? Because Paul has said, he who marries, we have many troubles. I applied for the trouble and we signed contract together and agreed on the trouble. So when the trouble comes, what do I do? I deal with it right there. Are you with me now? And you must, you must understand your wife or your, your husband, you know? All right? And you must understand when you can penetrate one another. You, can, you will understand when you can rebuke, and you can understand when rebuke can turn into anger. 
So you keep your rebuke in your pocket because the result of the rebuke for that time will give back to what you don't want, which is anger. So you keep the rebuke. What about, I have to address it. It may take you seven days to address it. And the way you address it must be a way. Because your intention when you address a wrong is for the wrong to be corrected. Not to create an atmosphere of argument. And let me say something to you. Also, if a husband and a wife have dichotomy, who is guilty? Let me hear here. Husband and wife are quarreling. Who is guilty? Uh, both of them are guilty. You are corporately, corporately guilty. One was the guilty one, and the one is the accomplice. Mm-hmm. I love somebody. And an accomplice and the guilty one, same sentence. In law. Barista, correct? Now, let me end up with this. Let me end up with this. And I think I can. Today, not today. The reasons why marriage is given. First, that man and a woman might enjoy lifelong companionship, health, and comfort for each other. We read this on your married day. Companionship, health, and comfort. So whatever happened, that companionship must be there. Are we together now? That help must be there. And that comfort must be there. Number two, that children might be conceived, born, and reared within security. I may want to quarrel with my wife, but what will my children say? It confused these children. Okay, let's quarrel in the bedroom. When we get out of the bedroom, no more quarrel. Hello? You quarrel in the bedroom, re-quarrel, I mean, we disagree. And then we open the door. Hello, children. How are you, children? And the wife to say, hello, children. The husband say, hello, children. You bless them together. When they go. What I was telling you. <laughs> hello? It's part of the nuggets. Look at Turkey. A bomb Russia. And he was shouting, you bomb Russia? We are going to show you. We are going to revenge. Is it not the same Turkey president that is going to visit uh, the same Putin? And he received him in his palace. And they are talking, yeah, 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 yeah. If they do that, why can't you husband and wife do the same? And do it better. <laughs> are we together? Even the people in the world are doing things like that. Satan will not love me. Are you saying amen for me? Or you pray for yourself too? Satan will not love me. That means we will not permit the devil. Children born, conceived and born, reared in security, stability and sanctity of marriage born. So there must be union, peace at home, no quarrel, make the environment of the home happy and peaceful. And finally, that it was given for the good of society, which can be strong and prosperous. Only where marriage and family life are held in what? Honor. And then we say into this holy estate, 
you have been called. Let me just give you this joke. I love the first one, companionship, comfort, and uh, help. Companionship, romance, communication, telling your wife how much you love her. She, it will make her love you more. And I mean sincere. What about if these things are so sour that, you know, you, know, you can't just say you love. You must turn to your heart and switch off your mind. Because the problem is in your mind. Your heart is love. How do you get, what is the action of faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now the manifestation of faith comes by confession, isn't it? Confessing our faith, confessing our faith. He says many of faith call things that are not. So things that are not as if. And they call things that are not as if. I'm not happy with my wife, what should I confess? I don't know you. Hey, 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 hey. Why are you looking at me like that? I said, I'm not happy with my wife. What should I confess as a part of faith? Then, is that a, what, what do you say, I love you? Is that not when I say to you, I love you? Though in my heart, I don't really, in my mind, I don't really love you, but my heart loves you. And I'm not happy she has just done something terrible to me. Should I just say, well, I love you anyway? Correct? So if I keep on saying to the person that my heart is troubled over, I don't just like what you are doing, and I begin to say, look, darling, I love you. I love you. As a man of faith, what happens? It will change that mind. Because when you confess faith, it happens. You tell the blind, see. He sees. All right? So if I confess, I love you, I love you, I love you, what happens? Then my action will be my confession. But if I say I hate you, it means I will land in a shop I never bargained for. I can't go away from my hate. I can't run away from my hate. I have to swallow my bitter piece. I have to live with my hate. I have to, to sleep on the same bed with my hate. And I have to die in my hate. So what do I do? I change my hate to love. Learn how to differentiate between the man and the act. You remember? Come on now. Come on, church. Love the man, you may hate the acts. That's why Jesus loved a prostitute, but he hated prostitution. He loved homosexual, but he hates homosexuality. We must understand how to separate. And also, you must understand how the fact that faith without work is what? Dead. Faith without work is what? Dead. Faith without work is dead. Faith without work is dead. Dead and faith and work after is dead. Work and then faith after is dead. Now, in law, there is something we call mens rea and actus reus. Faith is the actus reus, there is the mens reus, work is the actus reus. Actus reus is the work, is the act, but mens rea is the thoughts. Okay? And there's a story they always give to, you know, those who are doing criminal law and it fails any student who has not understood that principle of crime that somebody slapped his wife, you know, and he was angry and slapped his wife. He went to work, okay? And then before he came back from work, the wife died. So when the wife died, in work, he was building up rage. And then in work, you know, he said, that, look, I'm going home to stab her to death. And when he walked into the house... He, he saw the woman on the bed, but he did not know the woman was dead. And he started stabbing her and said, die, die, die. 
And then he found out that the man was dead. But then the doctors found out that the woman died many hours before the man came to stab. Had the man committed murder? No, in law. Because his actus reus and mens rea had to be simultaneous for the act to be murder. Though he intends to kill, but he intends to kill a dead person. If in the morning he intended to kill and he gave up beating with intention to kill, and the woman then died thereafter, he has committed murder because his mind and his action are simultaneous. So, faith cannot work unless it is simultaneous with work and action. When you have thoughts, which is your faith, and you do not act it, it's a waste of time. You are not going to love your husband or wife because you think it is good to love her. No, it's because you are bound to do so. It is a compulsion by God to do so. It's not based on her good or he, his good eloquence or a good job or good work. He treats me well. You know, she treats me well. That hasn't got a bit to do with love, with God. You marry her, you marry him, love that person. It's your body. So, you must understand, therefore, when, there is, when the action is not lovable, what should you do? Confess the love and act it. Contrary to your mind. Show it. Contrary to your mind. You don't want to do it, but do it because you've got to do it before God. As it is that, if you command and you have faith and you do not do the work of faith, God has only to help you. So also in your marriage, if you have conflict and you do not confess and act it, God can help your marriage. If as one people, speaking the same language and have begun, men's prayer, actors us together. One people, speaking language, began. Then God will. Peter would not get the beautiful gate man to work if he just thought in his mind, I think he should work. And then he went into this church and then he said, I command him to work. He will not work. When Peter got to the beautiful gate and not within the beautiful gate, what? No, it cannot be. He made up his mind in his thought, faith. And then he spoke in his mind, get up and walk now. And the man was too slow, pulled him up. So his thinking and his work action brought the healing. Come on now. You know, my wife never changed. To me, she says she's changing. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? She says she's changing. Yes, you are the one who knows you're changing. To me, you never change. She still looks like the girl I met about 40, what years ago now? She doesn't look changed to me. She may change in the physical, but do you know something with me? What I see today that's what she is. What she was yesterday, I can't remember. You know, both of us used to talk about this, really. I said, can't you remember what I was when we just married? I closed my eyes. I tried to think. My brain can't go. I can remember my love books, but my brain can't go into, how was she? Anytime I try to think about it, I keep on seeing what I'm seeing now. I keep on seeing it back again. <laughs> That's what I'm seeing now. Okay? 
So, it is a problem for me and mommy that I can't remember what she looks like. She wanted me to remember. When the Bible says there are sins I remember no more, I don't think. <laughs> well, don't I look better tonight? If you observe me tonight, something has happened to my hair. Isn't it? My hair was bushy yesterday. And today before we came, my, my wife arrested me. She turned that chair. And she came up with scraper. And you know, it was a good quarrel. She told me, go and get a chair. <laughs> I have to barb your hair today. <laughs> I said, there's no chair. She said, you have to cut this hair before you leave this house. I said, all right. I went around. I couldn't find the foldable chair. She said, there is a chair downstairs. Go and bring that one. I went down, brought the chair. Then when I got brought the chair, there is no extension cable. <laughs> I said, you see now that God doesn't want me to cut this hair. <laughs> she said, no, you don't have to cut the hair. I will cut this hair before you leave this house. Go and look for extension cable. <laughs> I remember, oh, there's one extension cable, you know, I found the extension cable. I brought the extension cable. I said, no, nah, but you have to move to this. I said, anywhere I will move. As long as this hair today is cut. So I sat down after a lot of persecution and then shh, when she finished cutting my hair you know when she cut my hair she cut all this place and it pains me when you cut my my wave neck it, it pains me i said don't cut my neck she said no if you go to baba what would it do to you <laughs> and then when she finished it i went to the shower and i got to the mirror Wow, what a handsome man you are. I went back and said, darling, thank you for making me more handsome. <laughs> but you know, it didn't come by just saying, come and sit down. Yes, darling, let me sit down. No, we had some arguments, you know. Good one. <laughs> and she has to really persist that. You are not going out with this hair. You don't see yourself and they won't see you. But I see myself, Mirab, but that's not you see yourself. And the one who see you can sit down. Sit down anyway. And she caught my eyebrows. He was sticking all the white hair, removing them. It was violent act, you know. <laughs> uh, because it was painful. It was painful. I would have sued that to the Supreme Court of Great Britain for, for, for malicious handling on, or, you know, whatever the case may be. Remember that those who marry will go through many troubles. And we have to go through many troubles. They are good trouble. And we have to love it. We have to celebrate it. We have to enjoy it. Our diversity is given by God so that we can really enjoy life with the wife of our youth. Let's stand up together and we're going to just bless the Lord for tonight. Let's thank God for, his, for the word of tonight. We thank God for the grace and we thank God for every marriage that is represented here. Shall I begin to pray a prayer of thanks in the name of Jesus? Thank God for every marriage. And so the younger ones, they have just seen from our oh, we older ones that the journey is far. Let's bless the name of the Lord for His grace. And He brings the man and the woman together from various families, from various nations, and they become one. Adore and King of and we give you the praise and honor and glory. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. Let's thank God for the blessedness of marriage, for the bonding of the spirit and the soul. 
for giving us our emotions that we can enjoy one another. For blessing homes with, with children. One generation goes, another generation comes. It is by God. Let's thank God that God did not allow our mistakes to destroy us. We fall and we rise. We learn to do better by doing wrong. Year after year, God continues to perfect us in this journey. For none of us is perfect, but we are all trying by the grace of heaven. Let's bless the name of the Lord. Thank God for His mercy. Thank God for His mercy. Now let's begin to pray grace upon every family. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 9, it says, Enjoy life with your wife whom you love. This is your only person in all these your meaningless days. Let us thank God for every family and command the blessings of God. That God will grant grace to the married one. God will grant grace to the married one. Let us pray against every partition wall. That God will destroy the walls of partition. The Bible says He is our peace who has broken down every wall. Let every wall of partition be broken. Let every wall of partition be broken. Let every wall of partition be broken. Man the Lord we bless you. In Jesus' anointed name we are prayed. I want to give you two or three more prayer points. I want to pray about this. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22, the husband is the head of the wife as Christ the head of the church. Now let me ask you this. What about husband that marry women who are called by God? What about husband, women called by God? A husband, a man, married a woman, but the woman is anointed and called by God. Okay? What about um, women who are married to young believers and they are matured believers? The fact is that the one called by God at church is the pastor of the husband. But at home, the husband is the pastor. The husband is the pastor. She will teach everybody in church under unction and the husband will listen and learn. But when they get home, the husband is supposed to take the lead, priest of the house. Now, why am I saying that? That young convert who hadn't known the Bible much, in church we ask the wife when they are teaching, what, is, what are they saying? But they get home, he has to now assume the position of the priest of the house. You know, two things I'm going to pray. Humility. You know, I, mommy teaches you in the Bible school, I will come there and I will listen. And I won't say anything unless she says that if the man of God has something to say. And when she teaches, I learn a lot. I try to help her to prepare her lecture. She said, no, no, I don't want to talk to you. Okay, because I recognize that if she talks to me when she's reading her lecture, I will influence her teaching. So, I don't ask her anymore. Even if she comes to suicide, I say, go and dig yourself so that you hear God directly yourself. So, I have nothing to do with her teaching what she gets from God. I want to come there and hear her. Hear God through her. She, if she can sit down under me to hear from me, I should have to sit down under here and hear from her. It's just a matter of rule. 
Okay, this has caused the division in many marriages. So we're going to pray for the spirit of humility upon all married women. All right, to be able to receive their husband as priest over them in the home. And we're going to pray also for the spirit of humility into the men to be able to receive the ministry of their wives so that they can submit when God uses their wives, maybe in church, if they are the one in church. Then we're going to pray for men who are less in knowledge of the word to their wives. Because the scripture says to the man, washing her with the word as with water, that the Holy Spirit will fill them with the spirit of knowledge, all right, so that our headship will become pride or arrogance. But as Jesus Christ humbled himself before the church, we, we will have humility to be able to relate with our wives in our capacity as head, all right, in service. And our wife will have humility to be able to submit to, our, to us in the office that God has given to them. Shall we just begin to pray in the name of Jesus? Everything that the man needs to be the head of the house, that the Lord will grant it. The spirit of knowledge, grace and mercy. All our men, grant them grace, O oh God. The grace of the priesthood of Jesus. So that as they are priests at home, you will give them the wisdom, the knowledge, the utterance, and the way to submit to the priesthood of the men. And Lord, I pray thee that the men will have the humility to submit to the unction upon their wives. To celebrate the grace of God upon their wives. So that we can put the two synergies together for the advancement of your own truth and kingdom in our families and in the church. Lord, we pray thee. We pray thee, O God. In Jesus' anointed name we pray. The last prayer for tonight is that we're going to pray for all singles that the Lord grant them discernment and knowledge. The spirit of insight. Discernment. Discernment. Someone has come before me before who was telling me that how he wants to marry somebody, how he had a dream, and the dream he saw the person marrying, you know, he saw him marrying this, this sister very dear to me in the church. The man just came to the church three months, he has been known everywhere. You know men like that? PA system, they are there. Microphone, they are there. They can enter the speaker. And people are praying. And I am praying that God, thank you for bringing a man like this. Three months, everywhere he will hoover, he will do everything. I mean, what a charismatic man. This kind of man, I want to come and marry my girls. And then one day he knocked my door. Well, three months or four months. I said that. Apostle, I had a dream. And then I slept and I saw myself and this sister were wedded. And then I slept again, and I saw that sister, and this sister, the same sister, we are wedding again. So he said that God had told me that she's my wife, because in my church, you don't go and approach any girl without telling me. So when he said that, I'm talking about the reason why she prayed for discernment for the women. You know, by every physical look, a father like myself, that this man wants to marry my daughter, yes. Even if they should marry that night, that night, she just go ahead. But when I said, let us pray, and I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit said to me, ask him, what about the woman in Ibadah? He left. Oh, you know, I, I left that one when I was coming. When he finished that, the Holy Spirit said, ask him, what about the woman he left at K2 in Lagos? 
I said, what about the woman you left at K2 in Lagos? He said, my mother has told me not to marry her anymore. I said, Lord, what next? The Lord said, I'm finished. I said, well, it's over. You can go. Now, Elijah will come before our girls and by all physical symptoms, they look holy. A girl will come before her boys and by every symptom, they just look angel. It is only the Spirit of God that can help you. For every wrong marriage, all of us suffer. Because throughout our life, either we'll be praying for solution or we'll be counseling when we should be doing something better. So we're going to pray. Father, everyone married here, grant them the summit and grant them the knowledge and the wisdom. Shall we just begin to pray? And guide them in their choice that they will not make wrong decisions. Not only them alone. All churches represented here, all members of our churches, we pray for them. Those who are hearing me on television or who are hearing me by the World Wide Web, we pray, O oh God, that you will guide the steps of your children to the very man you are prepared for them, to the woman you are prepared for them. Grant them revelation, inside knowledge for them to be able to discern, for them to be able to know that they will not marry the wrong person. It may look good, but is it God? The Bible says, and God brought the woman to the man. Bring a woman to their man, and bring a man to their woman. Connect them together. The men in this house, that they find the rib you are given to them, and the women in this house, will, the, the men will locate them. And you got our women the knowledge, discernment. You introduce Adam to Eve. Introduce our women to the man that you are prepared for them. That they will not take wrong steps. We bless you all. In Jesus' anointed name we are praying. This is marriage seminar. Lord, every blessing that you pronounce upon marriage, let it happen to everybody. But let the Lord go be hard to labor in vain. Build this house, O oh Lord. Unless the Lord watch over the city, the word may watch in vain. Watch over the city, O oh Lord. Father, especially those who have just gotten married, everything that the husband needs to be the head of his home, as Christ is the head of the church, let it manifest upon them. Everything the woman needs. To be the suitable helper to our husband. Let it manifest over the women. We pray for those who have been married for a long time. Father, sometime after marriage has been for a long time, our ignorance along the path becomes pillar that pulls the marriage apart. Father, we were sincere in those acts, but they were sincerely wrong. Sometimes, even our spouses don't know that we are wrong, but we are wrong before you. In our approach, Lord, pass through every marriage in this place. Father, pass through every marriage in this place. Everything that the men needs to continue to be the husband of their wives and be the head of their home as Christ, the head of the church. Let it manifest in all men. Every one of us, Lord, Take us back, Lord, to the refiner's flame. Fill us with everything that we lack.
so that our lives shall be examples. Pray for all our wives. Father, Deborah was a judge, but yes, she was wife of Lapidar. Father, everything our women need, our wives, to fulfill their spiritual role, to be example of a good woman and wife, the Proverbs 31 women. Father, everything they need to be the wives of their husbands, which they lack, favor them in the name of Jesus Christ. Enable us to bear with one another, according to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Enable us to live with one another, not coexisting, but loving one another. Father, love covers all wrong. Love accepts corrections. Father, help us, O God, that we will experience the true love deeper than we had when we met our wives and husbands. This seminar brings healing. It brings restoration. It brings growth. It brings advancement. It brings prosperity. It brings open doors. It brings understanding. Communication will become deeper than before. And at the end of the day, your name shall be glorified. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy name we are praying. Anyone engaged in a relationship that is not from you, Father, this is September, we dissociate that relationship. Lord, we ask that the relationship that you have obtained for marriage, for all our bachelors and spinsters, you connect them by your spirit. And your name be glorified. In Jesus' holy name we are praying. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Bring us together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Forevermore. Please let's be seated. Yes, today we have gone a little bit longer. And it's because I think we started, many of you came a bit late. Tomorrow is weekend, isn't it? Say to somebody, thank God it's Friday. Tomorrow is weekend. People leave office on time. You to do so. Hello? On Friday, you can do early closing now. No be so. I have retired from government work for more than 30 years. I don't know how they do them body now. Whatever the case may be, you know, I know that people, you know, in England during Friday, they'll be talking about the pub they are going, the new joints and stuff like that, isn't it? And they should do that now. And in the afternoon, they stop talking about that, isn't it? And by four, you don't see some of them anymore, yeah? Don't break the rule, but use the opportunities. I would get it now. So, tomorrow is going to be flat out. I, I will not stay long tomorrow because Saturday is a wedding. So, whatever the case may be, if we start tomorrow at our 7, pray to 7.30, and we go from 7.30, we start lecture, 7.30, 8.30, we should be okay an hour. And take questions for about 30 minutes. And then we close maximum by 9. We agree we'll do that tomorrow. Uh, if I didn't hear a yes, it means that you want me to extend. Um, all the university students current and current university student, ex-university student, you are all invited to a time of impartation 
encouragement, and charts. All in relation, relation to life in university that we hold in Cathedral on the 11th of September, this Sunday, at what time, after service in Cathedral, it will happen here. So those of you who have left universities, those of you who are sitting in university, come over, and those who are just going, so that we can help the new ones going to university before they go. And the Lord bless you. Let's just prepare for our giving tonight.